what? What? Today's a great day. You know why? Uh, why? Because I get to show you. I got new Crocs. Ooh. Oh, my God. They have spikes on them. Aren't they That's so super cool? cool. I'm, I love that I, for you. I'm, and it's like a tie-dye pattern, which is it's definitely It's blue cute. and black tie-dye. I'm glad you're finally coming around to Crocs because you were so judgmental of them when I first got okay, my pair. Okay, well, here's the thing. I'm still never going to buy a pair for myself. So I'm going to buy you But some. I've learned to no longer <laughs> judge other people for enjoying them. Good. But now we're back. That's, like, not the most fun thing about today though but guess what guess what for me what i just won a settlers of Catan tournament today what <laughs> yeah <laughs> there was a settlers of Catan tournament at like a game shop near me and i was just like screw it i haven't played in a while let's go and i won i got first place how many how many people were in the tournament it was only eight it was a small one but that's still good still pretty good I... yeah i won these um like autumnal themed uh, like terrain hexes for the game that apparently you can only get from a tournament. Like you literally can't like order them online that's, or something. Dude, I feel like that's wild. What? Mm-hmm. I'm very excited. Um, but that none of that has to do with what we're doing here today, and that is recording of episode of Boot Schools. Indeed. How you been? I've been great, but I'm even better because we have a special guest today. Yes, we do. Who has been sitting here patiently while we ramble. <laughs> so today listeners What's up, Dan? yeah we're joined today by our good friend our resident bard dan yes <laughs> amazing thanks for having me i'm What's so excited it? oh my gosh it's been three years in the making oh yeah dan was like one of the first people <laughs> that like we knew what musical he was going to be on for and then we yeah. just haven't gotten to it until just today just haven't been able to and it's fitting because we've already had Elisa on, so we had to have you on anyway. They're married, listeners. You may not know that. I don't know. I expect you to know that unless Elisa's <laughs> listening right now, but I don't think she listens, so it's okay. It's been a oh, point of jealousy wow. in our relationship, so I'm happy this is finally <laughs> being settled. And to start us off great, uh, we're going to start off with our newest segment Yes. called, mm-hmm. let me think of it. Absinthe minded speaking. Interesting. That's a fun Ooh, pun. I like it. I so like it. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna take a shot. Are you doing a there. shot of? Sh- okay, no, 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 no. I, I add. I'll talk about it. Let me. Let me I was like, let you me would just die. I no, I would. <laughs> let me just do it. Okay, don't be a bitch, cable. <laughs> the term is jukebox musical. Nice. So that this jukebox Very musical or though. stage musicals, or it's like a musical films. Where the music is comprised of, like, popular music. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, they can be, like, a medley of different genres, things like that. Or it could be, like, Mamma Mia, where it's just, like, features music from, like, one artist. Oh, that was a lot. And so, yeah, I just took a diluted shot of absinthe that I added some simple syrup and some water to because... Because you have to. Because I have to. And, uh... Absinthe is... Related to our musical, because we are talking about today, Moulin Rouge. Dan, why'd you want us to do that? <laughs> well, yeah, I've been I've been a big fan of Moulin Rouge and the music for, like, my whole life, basically. And my, yeah, my sister was really into it when it came out. I think she was in end of high school when it came out, and she was, like, 
ultra into singing and I was growing up, you know, we're eight years apart. So I was like her like music partner <laughs> and she would rope me into all the duets. And Aww. to this day, I'm not even joking. Like uh, the Christmas before last, we all had drinks. My whole family was hanging out and somehow Moulin Rouge came up like out of the blue and my sister and I proceeded to sing like all of Elephant Love Medley together <laughs> and nice. just like destroyed it. Like Crushed neither it. of us had thought about it or listened to it for like ages and it was amazing. So I've, yeah, I've, it's been like embedded into my brain for 20 plus years now. <laughs> we love that. Yeah. I love that. That's amazing. I didn't know that Moulin Rouge was a jukebox musical until I looked it up for this episode. Because uh, I only knew one song from it, which was Come What May. And I was not prepared for what the experience of watching this musical would be like. So I'm very excited to talk about I it. I was also not prepared because I never saw it before. <laughs> I also didn't know it was a jukebox musical. Um, my only... Yeah. Um, the only thing I really knew about Moulin Rouge was like Lady Marmalade. And then there was... In RuPaul's Drag Race, sometimes they'll have an episode, the challenge is like a rusical, and they had mm. one for season 14 that was Moulin Rouge featuring the main person that was Saltine. Um, <laughs> and it was like, oh, this is pretty good. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll be into this musical. Um, but yes, Raven, the, what we're drinking today is called The Green Fairy, inspired by, I mean, The Green Fairy, Absinthe. Um, mm-hmm. it's very prevalent in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. the absinthe I'm using though, I got a kit from our friend Josh, like a while ago, um, that I've never did anything with. And it's, I think it's like bootleg botanicals is the company, but you can like brew and like infuse your own absinthe. So that's the absinthe that's really I cool. have today. And it's, it's strong because it started with Love Everclear. Um, Jeez, and okay. water and like all the like wormwood and like anise yeah, and like yeah, spices yeah. and stuff like that. There was like two test tubes and I had to like add stuff over days and let things steep and stuff like that. So yeah, so that drink is called the Green Fairy. Um, I know absinthe is very polarizing, so we also have a like alternative um, instead of absinthe oh. using like a very like botanical like gin. Um, that makes sense. Would be good. I personally love absinthe because I, I love too. licorice, which I know I is, don't like, like not licorice the though. I love absinthe. I love licorice. Um, so it's absinthe. Uh, traditionally, with like absinthe, when you drink it, there's that like slog spoon, and you have like a sugar cube, and then you have like distilled like chilled water, like that you pour on top until it gets kind of like cloudy and the sugar dissolves. So chilled water is part of it. Uh, lemon juice, um, simple syrup. Oh, I didn't add the bitters. I'll be right back. Campbell, yeah, I'm how gonna, did you forget Hold on. I'm glad we didn't take a sip of it yet. I, I'll be right back. I have failed, okay. everyone. <laughs> um, so I have bitters. Um, aromatic bitters. Do you like bitters? Yep. Okay, I love bitters, so I'm going to like... Boop, 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 boop. I can get bitter. Cool. <laughs> Known to be bitter. Oh, that looks so good on the... And then it, it also has like an egg white or... Um, that grosses Raven out, and me too sometimes. Um, so oh, I instead, just used aquafaba. Yeah, we're using aquafaba. Yeah. So the the brine that chickpeas or garbanzo mm-hmm. beans come in is a great uh, egg white substitute that we've used for drinks before, like in The Lion King. Yeah, yeah. I don't see myself ever using raw egg whites in a drink, unless I know for a fact they're pasteurized. Yeah. Mm. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. Ooh. 
Ooh. I've never had absinthe with like lemon juice in it. It almost makes it like salty a little bit to me, but just it reminds me of like salted licorice, which mm-hmm. I actually really like, but I know most people don't. That's really good. And I'm a fan. I'm a fan of this too. I didn't like, um, we did like a reverse dry shake in order to make yeah. this drink. So what that is, you would shake all the ingredients except for egg white aquafaba, like with uh, ice and then you like strain and like remove the ice and then you shake again, no ice with whatever that substitute egg white um, to like get that like foam and like really, yeah. really get at it. But I'm enjoying this. Would you like to try the absinthe yeah. one? Do you want to try this one? Yeah. I really like that. I mean, I love absinthe. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan. And I really like the kind that I made. I'm going to be thoroughly enjoying that. Because grad school sucks. <laughs> Indeed. Um, okay, so getting into the musical itself. So this is the 2001 like musical film. It was directed, produced, and co-written by Baz Luhrmann. Um, following young English poet. Uh, poet loosely defined. Apparently he's also yes. composer, but we're going to talk about that. That didn't make <laughs> any sense. That he was it's just not... composing all this music. Or... You know, we'll talk about it. Now I had a different thought. Um, And who falls in love with a star of a Moulin Rouge cabaret actress and courtesan Satine. Um, Moulin Rouge. It's really interesting because this was a film first. um, Mm -hmm. But then it went to Broadway. So there was... um, The book was by John Logan. um, And the musical premiered in Boston on July 10th in 2018. And then it opened on Broadway at the Al Hirschfeld Theater. Um, the preview started in 2019 um, in June, but it officially opened July 25th. Um, and like at the Tony Awards, 74th uh, Tony Awards, it received a total of 14 nominations and won 10 awards, um, which was the most for the evening, including Best Musical. Um, yeah. But I think it's really fun. As much as... I think it's really cool when you have... Um, you, well, I think it's cool you have musicals. That's not what I'm trying to say. But a lot of times when it's adapted to movies and like it does make it more accessible for people, it doesn't really like hold up. I think it's really cool yeah. where it's not necessarily like a stage production and it's just the thing itself is like an accessible musical. I just think that's yeah. really fun. And a lot of like TV shows and other movies do that. Um, and then, or they take movies and then adapt them to musicals and things like that. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a really big fan of that. Um, and this this one obviously like was able to be like really accessible because it has had such a huge impact, I think, like on the culture like this, this musical. I don't know what the definite like, what defines a cult following, but I feel like Moulin Rouge has has a little bit of a cult following. Oh, yeah, There's definitely sure. a huge like fan base for it. Um, and so like I did, I was like very interested, like coming into it. And it We'll get there, but it didn't meet my expectations <laughs> wow. in the way of like no, 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 not in that it's bad. In that the like I physically, like I physically Damn. just like the mental image I had coming into this was not at all what I received, and I was just like, oh, I don't know what so that's I was. What this is. Yeah, I didn't know what I was thinking. You're tearing apart yeah. my family. <laughs> <laughs> 
So let's get into it. So the opening logos, I actually really like the way they did these. So um, they have them, like, there's an image of, like, a curtain, like, over them um, that gets drawn back. And then they have, like, a maestro in front, like, conducting. Terrible conductor. You could not follow him. He did not. He was not uh, in time. Terrible conductor. It's like when a conductor. If, like, a conductor only gives you cues, that's, like, I hate that terrible he was all over the place he needed to calm down <laughs> he did need to calm down um but then we open into uh paris 1900 um and we hear the song nature boy um which is being sung i believe by toulouse mm-hmm. yes um and we see like these sweeping shots kind of over the city as we go through um kind of getting the vibe of like where we are in paris um and we um see the camera kind of go into uh or show this village of Montmartre I have no idea how to speak French um (laughs) but this kind of like this general like camera sequence really reminded me um it came afterwards but reminded me of the opening shots in Sweeney Todd Mm. um in the kind of same way that they're I think that movie came after this one but like the same way that's kind of doing those establishing shots um and it's still very like um, it's not like West Side Story, where it's a literal camera literally going over the city. It's more of like very, um, there's a lot of like film filters and like it's very like art, like artsy and ethereal a little bit, um, which really is kind of the whole vibe of this whole movie. Like everything about this movie feels a little fantastical, yeah. um, which I which I really liked actually. And I think it's, it's really cool because the director, Baz Luhrmann, uh, this movie is a part of what's known as the Red Curtain Trilogy, and all of these movies mm, yes. have that kind of, like, cinematographic... Cinematographic? Is that a word? I don't know. Who knows? Shots. <laughs> uh, the stylization of... Yeah. Um, which, when I was, like, watching it this morning, um, Alex was literally saying, he was like, this has to be the same director as Romeo and Juliet, the 1996 it version, is. and it is. So, the Red yeah. Curtain Trilogy is Strictly Ballroom, Rome, uh, 1992, starring Paul Mercurio and Tara Maurice. Romeo and Juliet starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes and Moulin Rouge starring Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor. Um, yeah. But yeah. And we'll talk about it in my composer's corner, uh, but this movie also shared a composer with the Romeo and Juliet of 1966. Oh, fun. And this yeah. also, like, I don't know about you, it also gave me, like, Repo the Genetic Opera, like, vibes with, like, the filters and everything. It kind of did a little bit. Which I just think it was just, like, you know. 2000s edgy like v for vendetta was like a thought i had when i was watching this in the beginning so noir yeah a lot of the films from that time very much had the same or similar types of effects yeah Yeah. and then nature boy um so it is jukebox musical but nature boy uh was originally by nat king cole but it was also covered by david bowie um and remixed by massive attack for the soundtrack um Mm -hmm. while we're while we're talking about the uh comparison to romeo and juliet Mm -hmm. Uh, John Leguizamo oh, played yeah. Tybalt, right, in Romeo and Juliet, Ooh, yeah. and he was also uh, in this film. So. Yeah, so uh, Raven said, the Nature Boy is being sung by Toulouse. Um, mm-hmm. So John Leguizamo, who I'm just, like, such a big fan of and, like, always have been, um, all the way back to the Super Mario Brothers movie, like the live-action one nice. where he played Luigi Mario. Um, but he's also been in different musicals and different movies. Uh, he's Bruno in Encanto. Uh, he's Sid in oh. Ice Age. Uh, he's in Pest. Um, he's in uh, Tu Wong Fu. If you haven't seen it, watch it. I've been a bad gay person and didn't watch it 
before <laughs> this past year. Um, but it's amazing, and he's amazing. And I haven't listened to it yet, but literally yesterday at time of recording, uh, he was a guest on Nicole Byers' podcast, Why Don't You Date Me? And I'm very excited to listen to that episode. Um, and you know how much I love Nicole Byer. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, John Guizamo, you're great. Yeah. I love you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then we kind of go and we meet our, not truly protagonist, because it's kind of an ensemble cast, but the main person who's like thoughts and narrative we're uh-huh. following, um, which is, who is Christian, uh, played by... Ewan McGregor, Ewan. who's fucking Amazing. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Fucking love him. <laughs> um, I did not know, because I didn't see the newest Beauty and the Beast, but he plays Lumiere for Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. so no musical. Yeah. Um, he was also in Big Fish, Black Hawk Down, and I also didn't know, I love this movie as a kid, Robots, like the animated one. Oh. He plays Robbie Copperbottom. Wow. He, he's the main guy. That's wild. I, I can hear it now, but I would never have guessed that. He is so good in this. He's such he's a good so crier. Good. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, true. Not a sentence I thought I would hear about someone. Um, so we go to Christian. Um, he is, we see him typing at a typewriter, um, and he's kind of explaining, like, oh, yeah, like, um, this is kind of my story. I, you know, came to Paris a year ago. You know, I came here to, like, write and, like, write about love. My father didn't support me angsty he has daddy issues it's big deal um, so we go back in time one year to 1899 um, we see that christian has just come to paris to write um he's sitting in his room uh the kind of getting settled in starting to to get some work done and a dude just falls through his ceiling um a an, an unconscious argentinian as we are introduced to which yeah that is literally what his character's his name is. So he's <laughs> played is by Jack Komen. Um, he's also been in Defiance, Children of Men, uh, Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance, uh, Hotel 52. And yeah, the, his character has narcolepsy, which I have a fun narcolepsy story related to music. Uh, Interesting. In high school, uh, if you're in marching band, sometimes you may have to suffer being in a parade. And... In the county that I grew up in, um, they would have two different schools in the county do this, like, Christmas parade, like, downtown Richmond, like, Broad Street, when it would be too cold and windy. And Uh. you would, like, I think with how many schools there would be, you would really only have to do it once while you're in high school. So it was my high school and then Verina High School. And uh, this guy in front of me, I was playing clarinet. He was playing the trumpet. He, like, just let me know. No, I was playing the mellophone, not the clarinet completely different instrument and he (laughs) let me know that he was narcoleptic um so if he starts to like fall back because we're like in lines just like tap him and he'll like wake up um and i was just like what and like the people around him like from his school was like oh yeah like it's it's not a problem but then in marching band sometimes you're sprinting and playing and things like that and i couldn't imagine but he did such a good job. He's a great trumpet player. Don't know what his name is. This was 2011, so 12 years ago. So if you're listening, um, trumpet player who has narcolepsy, here's to you. That's amazing. Imagine That's the confidence wild. turning around and be like, just letting you know. I just let you know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm fine and stuff, but just like tap me. I'll be fine. Yeah. Oh, That's what wild. a pro. Yeah. Um, so unconscious Argentinian uh, falls through his ceiling, and then we see... Uh, another one of our lovely characters run in and basically start like yelling 
through the ceiling at the people above, like on the second floor. Um, and they're just like, oh no, what are we gonna do now? He's unconscious, he can't play like this character. And then they look over at um, at Christian, and he's just like, I, I can, I can play him, I guess. <laughs> just, just chaos, just absolute chaos. Yeah. Um, so some of the other characters that are part of this like bohemian mm-hmm. theater troupe, um, so we have John Leguizamo, Toulouse. We have the unconscious Argentinian. We also have um, Audrey, um, who is like the writer um, yeah. for them, um, played by David Wenham. But he's also been in 300. He's Faramir in Lord of the Rings, so Boromir's younger brother. Um, I did and not he's also in that. Van Helsing. I think he plays Carl in Van Helsing, huh. but I don't remember. Um, but then we also have uh, oh. Satie, Satie, uh, Matthew Whitted. He's the piano player um, who's in, he's in the newer version of uh, uh, Bananas in Pajamas. I just wanted to say pajamas. And I was like, that's not <laughs> a thing. Um, it could be. He's been in The Great Gatsby. Not that too. Um, a lot of them have been in The Great Gatsby. Girl Asleep um, is actually an original stage play that he had, wrote himself. Are some of the few people that were introduced here? That's really cool. Yeah, I like um, that. yeah. So so, Christian goes up to join them, um, and they're trying to like work out the the next lines of this song. They have this like this set that they're building in their apartment, which seems impractical. Um, Strongly but... disagree. <laughs> seems fun, funky, um, fresh. Did you see how high so, those ceilings were? Right, Come like on. if those they ceilings are that pretty nice high, you ceiling. have to like use up the space. True, true, fair. Um, so they inform him that they're working on a play called Spectacular, Spectacular. That's basically going to be like the most amazing thing that anyone has ever seen. Um, and they are working on like some of the lyrics. They're trying to refine like this scene that has like the mountains in the background. It's supposed to be set in Switzerland. They're like, what are we gonna write? Um, and eventually uh, Christian just belts out, uh, the hills are alive with the sound of music. Great. No notes. Amazing. So far. Sound of Music being one of my favorite musicals. Julie Andrews is just like an international treasure. Um, Also, his his voice is so like rich and clear. It's such a beautiful... I I think he's a tenor. Um, I think that's that's the range that he was singing in. I have no idea. Um, But it's just... I was not prepared for how like nice his... All of the the vocal performances in this are pretty fantastic. Can, can we give a little credit to the Argentinian who wakes up very briefly to right before you and McGregor start singing The Hills Are Alive? He says, I have it. The hills are cognizant with the noise of melody. And then falls back asleep. <laughs> and then, yeah, Solid. I wanted to give him some credit for that. And so it was like at Fantastic this point, line. like I. Because usually I have like the song list up while I'm taking notes so I can write titles really quick. And I didn't have it up yet. And I was just like, Wait, are they about to sing the sound of music? What's going on? Um, because yeah. I didn't know Nature Boy, and like before, there was also um, when Christian is kind of like talking. It was like, oh, this story I'm writing is about uh, like one year ago in Moulin Rouge. Uh, this story ends with a death. Blah 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 yeah. blah blah. We hear about a uh, spoiler. Um, it's first like five minutes um but um complaint de la battle and children of the children of the, children revolution, of the revolution is like 
another well-known song that's like being played before here um but i don't hate it i usually don't like jukebox musicals but i'm enjoying it so far yeah something that i and there were there were a couple of songs i thought they did particularly well but something that i really liked about this style of jukebox musical is one i did feel like the songs fit a little better Mm -hmm. than some other jukebox musicals that the new cinderella um I didn't even bother watching it's, that. But have you, the seen, one have clip, you seen that or the previews for it? No. It looks The one so clip bad. that I've seen of them singing Rhythm Nation, I was like, you don't deserve <laughs> to sing this song. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but in this one, like they do make a lot of the songs kind of like their own. Like they change up the style a little bit or something like, or they, they uh, influence the melody a little bit. Um, and I, I do really like the way they kind of like repurpose a lot of the songs. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think here where we get into the sound of music, um, and it's, the, it's actually uh, lonely done really go- well. goat herd, the lonely goat herd, which yeah. is my favorite um, song from Sound of Music. Yeah, because I think it's yeah, just so much be. fun. They had puppets, <laughs> marionettes, um, and then they all drink absinthe straight. It looks like because and collectively hallucinate. They have a new writer because Audrey like see all sees all of this going on and quits. Yeah. And they're like, okay, you're a new writer now. We're, we're trying to, like, make it big at the Moulin Rouge. You're going to, like, help us out with this. And my question for you, too, because my first thought, I was like, but he's a poet. Like, he doesn't know mm-hmm. anything about composition or anything yep. like that. Mm-hmm. Is it... Su- or playwriting. Or playwriting. Is he supposed... Because sometimes in musicals, when they're singing, it's not... It's just, like, how they're expressing themselves, but they're not, like, in character singing. Yeah. Are they writing a musical or are they writing a play that is just shown to the audience as singing? That I think it's the latter because there are other places in the movie where Christian begins reciting a poem that are the lyrics to a song and then that turns into them singing. So I there were some places where I did see it more as like a, a demonstration of how they're expressing themselves rather than meant to be literally interpreted as this character is singing in their real life, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I honestly don't know. I, I kind of feel like in the context of the cabaret, though, it was like, you know, the orchestrated dancing, orchestrated oh, singing. Like, yeah. It seemed like that would have to be the, like, that's what the people come for. You know, Yeah, it like, was the singing. True. And, and, like, the band dynamic, like, you know, it, there were, there was, like, uh, conductors at the mm-hmm. front, there's the pianist, yeah. like, I feel like, I feel like they that had to be... They literally perfect. referenced cutting a song from the final yeah. version, so... Oh, yeah. maybe, oh well, that's true, yeah, they, oh, they talk about the, the hmm. song. Maybe I, it's both, or maybe he doesn't, maybe he's just really talented. Maybe he is just really talented, or maybe... Maybe in universe he's writing a poem and then the pianist makes a melody to go with it and that's how they're making the song. Oh, team effort, team effort. Yeah, a lot of musicals are made that way. So, but it's still like he's still not a playwright. He's a poet, which are not the same skill set. Well, so yeah, we also have the evidence of your song, right? We'll we'll get to it later. Yeah, true, 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 true. Um, but yeah, they get they start tripping on absinthe because um, in like stronger versions, European. I've heard so many myths about absinthe, but apparently some kinds of absinthe have before make you hallucinate. So yes. they're just like going crazy, and they see the green fairy played by 
Kylie Minogue, who is the highest hailing female Australian wow. artist of all time. Um, some of my favorite songs I wrote down are Kids, Spinning Round, I Love It, and Supernova. Um, but some other acting she's done, she was in that like musical TV show, Gallivant. She was also in on episodes of Doctor Who and Neighbors. Um, but the voice of the Green Fairy is Ozzy Osbourne of Black Sabbath. <laughs> That's unfathomable. But like, Kylie, That's wild. Yeah, Kylie Minogue <laughs> is just there, just like looking pretty, looking whimsical, looking fantastical. Having a good time. So funny. I recognized her and I was like, who is that? I couldn't figure out who it was. Well, the, I've the, never known who that person is. <laughs> I thought it was interesting too, the absinthe scene, because the pianist slash like resident composer of the group, mm-hmm. he had like absinthe brewing. Did you see that? Like in the background? Oh yeah, you see like dripping. Yeah, so he's also the resident chemist brewing up some good stuff. Nice. There's, there's a lot of correlation between like STEM majors and music backgrounds. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, like... Look at us. Us. <laughs> yeah, all hey. of us. All of us. All of us. Resident bard. You can't. You're a resident bard. You play instruments. I do. You're musical. I do. So then they go over, like, they start heading to the Moulin Rouge. Uh, Christian wants to perform his poetry for. He, once they get there, he says he wants to perform it for Satine, but he just got to Paris. Like, I'm curious how he knows that she's like the big star at the Moulin Rouge, or if he's just going, if he's just going to, Maybe to perform the, his poetry. His group talked about it. That's true. That's true. She seems so famous he, enough where the Duke wants to meet her. That's true. That's true. Well, the Duke wants to like own her. She's, which is a she's pretty zeitgeist, Raven. <laughs> I would say. Well, they had like <laughs> nice use of the words, like guys. They had like posters, right? Like you, uh, there were some scenes with like her in the background. It'd be like posters with Satine, yeah, like Moulin Rouge oh, sees Satine, Satine, right? Yeah. So she would have been like the it girl. True, true, yeah. true. Um, so we make our way over to the Moulin Rouge, and when we get there, we see that a show is going on, and we get into Zidler's rap melody, um, which is a lot of different songs. Uh, Namely, uh, Lady Marmalade, which super fun, love it, amazing. Um, we also have Because We Can uh, by Fat Boy Slim, and which then is so uh, funny. what is the last one? Um, Soul have... Sisters is that? No, and that's Lady Marmalade. Yeah, that's Lady Marmalade. Oh, oh it smells like Teen Spirit. Oh yeah, by Nirvana. Like, that's why I don't, um, know. I don't know that song. Yeah, I forgot. You don't know a certain genres of music you're not familiar with, but. Um, the owner of Moulin Rouge, Harold Zidler, is played by Jim Broadbent, um, who um, has been in a million things. Um, he went, he graduated from the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art, um, and after he graduated, he began like a professional career on stage, performing with the Royal National Theatre and the Royal Shakespeare Company, um, and as part of the National Theatre of Brent, a two-man troupe which he co-founded. Um, but hmm. he's been in The Iron Lady, Games of New York. He was Professor Slughorn in the Harry Potter movies. Yes. Um, he's also Bridget Jones's dad in Bridget Jones's Diary. Um, he's been. Oh, uh, there's a- another reference to Bridget Jones. Oh, that's later. fun. Um, yeah, so he's been. He is great in this. I'm a big fan of him and what he's doing. Fun, nice. Fun idea. Yeah, I, I really liked him as Professor Slughorn. Well, I was just thinking about Zidler, and apparently that was mm. the name of the person who founded Moulin Rouge in real life. Mm. 
Oh, that's really cool. That's fun. Did not know that. Um, so yeah, so so the dancers, the performers at the Moulin Rouge are like can-can dancers, or that's like one of the big styles yeah. um, of, of entertainment that they do. And I really love like the style of like dress and costume um, that was popular during this time, especially for like show um, showgirls and stuff. Because um, like their dresses have like that big frilly like underskirt, so that like when they're tossing it and like kicking it up and everything, you get like a lot of visual. Um, and something in this, I'm. Uh, I want to talk about this more later, but something that I really like about this movie is the use of like colors, um, especially because when they're outside the Moulin Rouge, like a lot of times it's it's like nighttime, pretty much the whole movie. Um, oh, yeah. But especially when they're like at the apartment, um, like where Christian and the and the troupe live, um, it's very dark. It's very like kind of not not dingy in like a dirty sense, but dingy in like a. a dark like grayness sense um but then everything at the moulin rouge is really bright really colorful really vibrant like, kind of electric and vibrant yeah um so it really gives you that uh sense of like this is where the life of the city is you know kind of vibe i really like that um and with like the different camera shots and how everything was moving around so fast it, this movie i was talking to dan about this earlier it's just manic but i'm <laughs> yeah i was like into it um but I felt like I was either drugged or drunk when I was watching, like, oh, yeah. this these half first scenes. Well, half of this, <laughs> but, like, especially in the Ziddler's Rap medley. Um, but then yeah. you also see, like, the Bohemian troupe and Christian have successfully, like, made it in. And they're, like, pretending to be, like, English businessmen and writers to fund some stuff. I thought it yeah. was really fun yeah. that, that you, like, land, you, like you're sort of put through this vortex of like wild like madness at the beginning like yeah. lady marmalade you like the whole like experience is like dizzying and then you're sort of shot out into this like love story but it's yeah. like you're transported there through this craziness and all of a sudden you're like okay i sort of get how characters wrapped up in all this can end up here um yeah and i thought that was a really cool way because it sort of was wild 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 and then sort of like an open kind of calm sea yeah of love story and i was like oh like the, the, that was a stark contrast but like very cool and that was like at that point yeah. we are I think that was definitely purposeful especially when introducing uh, Satine played by Nicole Kidman incredible mm -hmm. um, some everyone knows Nicole Kidman but some other uh, stuff she's been in she was in that musical The Prom that I haven't seen yet but I heard mixed reviews um, she was plays Lucille Ball in Being the Ricardos uh, she was in Practical Magic Batman Forever The Others AMC movie commercials um which she crushes it in and she's also <laughs> kind of like we see some of the other like main like moulin rouge girls um one of them the one of the more prominent ones nini nini legs in the air is her character's name <laughs> um uh played by caroline o'connor um who's also does some like stage shows like a chorus line oklahoma she was cast as velma kelly in the original australian revival cast of chicago uh, we have Christine Anu played uh, uh, her character's name is Arabia. She was in the second and third Matrix. Ready for this? Natalie Mendoza plays China Doll. She was in Hotel Babylon, The Descent One and Two, um, and then we have Laura Mulcahy played Mom Fromage, um, who's been in Ladies and Back. Oh, another person, The Great Gatsby, and Australian Gangster. But those are kind of like the main um, courtesans. Moulin Rouge girls yeah that we see 
but yeah yeah so we see her like appearing on like a sort of rig almost like a trapeze kind of um like kind of flying through the air coming down um and she is singing we get into the song sparkling diamonds uh which is a medley mashup of diamonds are a girl's best friend and material girl um i'm a really big fan of this performance i am too and yeah uh diamonds are a girl best friend it was introduced by carol channing but it was like made popular by marilyn monroe and then material girl madonna yeah i do say something that like threw me off at in the beginning of this movie i guess kind of what you were saying earlier dan about like it having the sort of dizzying effect with like the way they're cutting between the scenes and just all the chaos and stuff. Um, it really threw me off because I just wasn't expecting a movie to start that way. Um, but they do the same thing with songs. Like I feel like these first handful of songs come pretty much back to back to back. Yeah. Um, and it kind of uh, mirrors the sort of like chaos of like what's going on. And like a lot of them, like especially because like uh, they all have like different vibes, like Nature Boy and like The Sound of Music versus like Zidler's Rap Melody um, are all like very different vibes music wise. Um, and they're pulling from so many different artists that it really gives you that kind of like everything is kind of chaos and crazy and, and everything is everywhere, <laughs> everything everywhere all at once. Um, like everything's all over the place, yeah. um, which is an interesting effect for the beginning of the movie. And I'm still not sure if I like it or not. (laughs) One thing I got from that was, like, it felt very much, like, in my mind, this, like, whole bohemian, like, craziness of, like, you know, being in the city with all this, like, jam-packed full of, like, wild ideas at a time where, like, urbanization or, like, industrialization, I guess, Mm -hmm. was sort of making Mm -hmm. Paris bland. You know, this was, like, the heart of, like, like, ah, you know, like, everything is, like, still happening and mashing Mm -hmm. together. And... Plus, like, just absinthe trips. You know, like, the absinthe trip. Putting them <laughs> yes. No one is sober in this. Yeah. <laughs> Not a single time. Um, I, so we see... I, oh, well, I was going to say, I th- also think it's interesting what they're doing in this type of jukebox musical. Um, mm. I think I do think the reason I like it so much is because they're so transformative about the music. Like, they're mixing it Fair. together. They're changing the style of these songs. So they're really making yes. it their own. Instead of, like okay, here's a movie where all the characters are playing, are singing karaoke at weird times. Um, I, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't like that. But with this, I love, like, the jazziness, the cabaret feel of, like, yeah. singing, these, singing these certain songs. I just love And I also really like, in addition to changing the style of the songs, I also really like that almost none of these songs do they sing the entire version of. Like, I think your song, like, was one of the few um, but even then, I don't think they sing the entire. No, because that's also a song. super long yeah. song. <laughs> that's true. But yeah, so I, I really like the fact that they kind of cut them down a lot, and like in some of them, they really only take like one or two lines from it. Yeah. Um, and I think that also adds to uh, building it into the story because one of the things that always throws me off about jukebox musicals is like obviously that song was not written for this context. And so if you do sing the entire song, there will be lines or pronouns or just like whatever that physically just don't match the context of what's going on in the movie. And so it kind of takes you out of it. Um, And I think they really avoided that by doing like a lot of medleys, a lot of mashups, or like just taking snippets from the songs, which I really liked. Um, So we see uh, during her performance, uh, we see that Zidler uh, also 
Harold, which I think is how I wrote him down in most of my notes. Um, he uh, goes over to the Duke. We get to see the Duke um, and tells him that he is promised a private sh uh, meeting with Satine after her performance. Um, and then we switch over and we see that Toulouse is promising the same thing to Christian. So already we have a little oh. bit of... Ooh. Oh, oh, yeah. there's some hijinks of... Uh... Hijinks shall ensue. <laughs> yeah. um, with the Duke be is played by Richard Roxburgh, um, who's been in uh, Rake Hacksaw Ridge. He was also in Mission Impossible 2, um, but he's uh, really known for his role in Van Helsing. Uh, he plays Dracula, and he's been Dracula in like a bunch of different things. Um, but this guy is really good at playing a shitty person. Just yes, and I always have like. I always feel for actors who like are really good at playing bad characters because on the one hand there are actors that love that you mm -hmm. know there are actors that are just like yeah that's my bread and butter i'm here for I'm it the but villain. it's also just like to be typecast as like the villain and to be so good at it it's just like how do people in real life respond to you well, i'm just curious it's also like not even like if you were just a villain like maybe like a suave like smart villain it's like okay i can mm. get into that but he's like I'm a so rat face rapist. Creepy. Yeah, so creepy. <laughs> yes. And he pulls it off and it's like, man, like, I wouldn't want to show that up. No. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. he does a good job. Um, I was like, let me show this skill. Yeah. <laughs> You're <be> like, <laughs> um, I mean, that's what we're asking for, but. Hmm. Bold move, Cotton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we see uh, Harold kind of in the middle of, in the middle of Satine's performance, or maybe like as she's like in a break or something like that. I forget a, a exactly. costume change. It's like during. That's a, what it is. Yeah. It's a, yeah she's, Which she's also doing a costume great change. costume change and like if Fantastic. you've been a part of different like musicals or like performances, stage, or stage productions. performance, yeah, productions of things and like especially been part of like the crew helping with these different mm -hmm. costume changes, things like that. There is such a science and art yes. to changing costumes. It is yeah. so incredible. I think it was maybe frozen on broadway there's this like in um let it go at one point i'm like i literally don't know how you just changed your dress like i yeah i well, have been watching it a lot of times and i don't know how you did that that's so cool yeah um so during her costume change uh Zidler is telling her like oh you know the duke is here uh and kind of like tries to point him out like says like oh he's the one that i think it was Toulouse was like brushing off or something like that um but when she looks over she actually looks like christian um and she's like oh are you sure that's the duke and he's like yeah 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 that's the duke um so now we know that you know a little bit of dramatic irony satine thinks that christian is the duke instead of the actual duke um, and we also find out, uh, kind of during this sequence, that Satine wants to be a quote-unquote real actress um, and be in, like, film productions and stuff like that. Uh, well, maybe not film, because I don't think that existed yet. Um, but be in, like... Um, silent movies? I don't know, when did film... I don't know when, when silent films started came, Ugh, come out. But, quick Google, um, I'm on it. <laughs> Um, but we see that Satine wants to be like, quote unquote, a real actress. Uh, she doesn't want to be a like dancer, performer, showgirl anymore. Um, and so that's kind of what she's looking for going into this arrangement, because it's really not a relationship, but arrangement with the Duke um, is to basically have the financial security and backing um, to be able to pursue her actual career goals. I have an answer. Uh, okay. Round Hay Garden Scene, which has a running time of just over two seconds, was filmed in 1888, and it's believed to be Ooh. the world's earliest surviving motion picture film. 
So a full 11 years. So it's entirely possible that she's referring to, like, film. There's, like, so many things, like, in this movie. I was like, was that a thing back then? Like, like a (laughs) wrecking ball? I was like, when was wrecking balls? And that was, like, the 1850s. Well, just Geno's Wild. It's interesting. Moulin Rouge was built, like, the real Moulin Rouge was built 1889, the same year as the Eiffel Tower. Oh. Interesting. So the Eiffel Tower was, like, brand new at that point. They were like, oh, look at this new building brand new um it things bounce right off it apparently that's, that's, uh, I, I, I look i have a note about oh it we'll get God. there yeah, this, okay uh, so we're um, having fun so, here so satine so uh after she finishes her costume change she like reappears um and she's like you know going around like choosing effectively like which lucky guy is going to get to dance with her um she pulls christian out of the crowd of course thinking he's the duke um, and chooses him to dance with her. And then we get into one of my favorite throwback songs, Rhythm of the Night. By DeBarge. By DeBarge. Uh, yes, I was so excited when I heard it playing. It was, I'm fan. Oh, yeah. Fan. Into it. Another, no, another like, genre that was thrown in and, like, worked so well. Mm-hmm. How are they doing that? And it's a great party song, because Rhythm of the Night, like, just makes you want to move your body. Yeah. yeah. Like, and so she's dancing with Christian, and Christian's like, "Yeah, I, I want to sh- have like show you like a, have a private poetry meeting." And she's like, "I know ooh, you're talking yeah, about poetry. Oh, you're gonna say words <laughs> to me, pretty boy." Um, she loves a little poetry after supper, <laughs> and then wow. they all lift their hats in the air, and then we see this weird scene where there's like three huge hats flying out of the Moulin Rouge, while it was weird. It was this weird animation thing. I didn't understand a lot part of, of it. A lot of this movie is weird. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have explanations for most of it, and I don't think I ever will. It's just a fever dream. <laughs> yes. It's just a fever dream. Um, um, but then we get into a reprise of Sparkling Diamonds, where she's like being like lifted up. It's like the big finale. Yeah. Um, and then she just falls, and my notes it are falls. The fuck out. I was like, sick? Dead? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she uh, misses her final note and falls fully unconscious from her rig, um, and is car- like uh, I think she's caught by one of the other dancers. Yes, yeah, she is um, caught by um, what is that? Is it the one name? whose name I hate? Le Chocolat. Yes, it is. Yes. Um, why is that his name? <laughs> why is that? Why is that his name? And he's the only black person. Yes. Um, <laughs> like, I would have less of an issue with it if there was even one other black person in the movie. Yeah. Uh, he's played by Diobia Opare, um, who's also been in Game of Thrones, Dread, Sex Education. Uh, he's been in a lot of, like, things I really enjoy. Um, but, yeah, he catches her. And then yeah. she is, like, seeing, like, the doctor. And then I guess, like, like the like the mother of the group, like the mother hen of the group kind of person marie mm-hmm. uh, marie is played by carrie walker who's been in snobs the piano she was also the sheep and babe which i think is really fun um and then the doctor is played by gary mcdonald um who's been the pirate movie offspring and mother and son are just like a few of, of his credits yeah yeah um and is this where we there was um we got a little clip of her being put into like a corset but then that cut to her being unconscious again. I think it was... Not unconscious, but, like, waking up. It was... I was that she was being w- awoken by, like, smelling salts, I guess. Yeah. Um, 
And then they're like kind of talking. We find out that she's like, you know, kind of sick. Um, yeah. And then when afterwards we see her like getting ready for her like time with like the duke and that's when she's getting to the corset and the red dress and things like that that's what it was yeah so she's being put into this like corset and like beautiful red dress um but then we cut to her being in her chambers and she's in not that um she's in a set of black lingerie maybe it was for another number it's it possibly was because we do um i think the song that plays then is meet me in the red room Mm -hmm. which is like her invitation to like come into my chambers um and i do love this lingerie fit it is (laughs) smoking um and then we see yeah so christian comes into her room and he's like just trying to read his poem just trying to get discovered she's like give me that dick (laughs) literally she um she gets him on the bed and everything and he's just like oh this is not what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. Prefer um, to do it standing. You can sit down. It's quite long. And she was like, oh. Ooh. <laughs> it's uh, war- uh, she warming up. And she was like, oh, I can warm you up. Because um, she thinks it's, you know, his erection. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. She thinks she needs he begins. True, the t- true, like you got a huge talent is what we hear about Christian. Yeah, um, and he starts reciting the beginning of his poem, um, and Satina's absolutely unhinged, uh, like just rolling yeah. on the floor screaming. Paint me a word she... picture. <laughs> that was so painful until to watch. I think yeah. she finally realizes, oh, you like actually are just here to recite poetry. And I'm like, this, you're the best one. <laughs> and this is Listen. this 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 is the bit. This is like this is your profession, and this is how you like do it. This is uh. What character did she say? A smoldering temptress? Is that is that what we're seeing right now? Yes. Um, but yeah, the, the poem that's being recited um, is Elton John's Your Song. Yeah. Um, and this elephant head. Yeah, and I, I actually really like, I, well, when I really like the song yeah. as a bass anyway, but I do really like the way he performs this. Um, it's very similar to the original, but some of the melody is like kind of altered slightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's to fit more within Ewan McGregor's range or if that's just how they decided to to modify it. Um, but it's very nice. It's a very, like, um, sensual is not the word, but, like, soft, uh, like, romantic performance. Yeah. Which, it's a romantic song in general, but, like, the way he performs intimate. it is, like, very intimate. Thank you. Yes, that's, that's a good one. Um, so then Satina, uh, says she, uh, is in love with him. She's fallen in love with him during the song. There's some, like, weird stuff. We see, like, the big face in the moon. Yeah. Um, that's the face in the moon, um, is Jonathan Hardy, um, who's been in Mad Max. He was also, uh, uh, Rigel the 16th, um, Dominar Rigel the 16th, which was, like, a Jim Henson Emperor space puppet in Farscape. Um, but the singing voice for the moon was Placido Domingo, um, who's an opera singer from uh, Madrid. Um, he spent like he uh, graduated from the Mexico City Conservatory. Um, his first operatic performance was in the staging of La Traviata in Monterey, playing Alfredo. 
Um, but then he was a tenor for the Israel National Opera for a while, and then like moved to Europe and did more opera scenes. Um, Jonathan Hardy is that in a relation to Tom Hardy? I don't know. Or the Hardy Boys? Yeah. Or I was just curious because uh, I thought Tom Hardy was also in Mad Max, and that would just be no, no. This is like the original Mad Max. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, so Satine is in love with him until she finds out that he's not the Duke. And then we get basically a record scratch in the soundtrack, which is amazing yeah. and hilarious. I love that. Um, and then Harold shows up with the Duke outside and at long last, hijinks Stew and Dean. It's like suit. a Kristen Wiig SNL sketch. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like dancing. So <laughs> Very Three Stooges. Um, yeah, so at first, uh, Christian is, like, literally hiding in her skirts, like, kind of under, which I don't understand how that's working, it's because sheer. she is very, yeah, it's sheer, and she has very slender legs, so it's not like he can't see a whole-ass man there, but uh, then he eventually gets <laughs> behind the table, <laughs> he's, uh, he's, like, hiding behind the table and, like, giving her... Uh, she's trying to distract the Duke, so she's re-reciting his poem, um, your song, to the Duke to like distract him and make him think that she's in love with him. Um, and we see uh, we see Christian behind the table, kind of like playing charades, basically to remind her what the words are. Uh, very funny. I'm I'm a fan of this. Um, so then she eventually manages to get the Duke out after. A lot of you know talking and, and trying to trying to convince him like oh you know like I love you I just gotta you know like it's not time yet we have like, to wait till not, opening <laughs> night we have to wait till opening night um, so he starts to leave um, and Christian comes back out and the Duke comes back in just in time to discover them in bed together. Yeah, because she faints and he catches her and is like, I'm going to get her on the bed. But, like, while all of this is going on, like, the bohemian troupe is, like, spying on them on top of the elephant. And it's just like, oh, yeah. what's going on? Yeah, and a lot is happening. Um, so to get out of it, to, like, save themselves, um, she tells him, like, oh, it's an emergency rehearsal. Like, seeing you inspired me. Um, and I, I immediately called Lidler to, to let us have an emergency rehearsal for a play that we want you to invest in. And he's just like, no. okay, cap. <laughs> what's this... <laughs> What's this play that you're talking about? Um, and so then we get into the pitch. Because everyone and is like on it and be like, oh, we need to sell this immediately. And I they shredded it. They did. Love this entire sequence. It's so well done. Yeah. Um, the pitch, so this is... spectacular, spectacular. Yeah. One of my favorite um, scenes. In the I think movie. so because it's also so Definitely. goofy. And, and I'm like, it's, yeah. I was like, these actors just having a good time. Oh, yeah. It's very campy. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. It's to the um, tune of Offenbach's Can Can. And it's like... Love it. So this technically isn't an original song, and this movie does only have one original song in it. But sometimes yeah. people count this one as one, too, because, like, the lyrics are original. Yeah. Yeah, so this is basically them, like, describing the plot to the play. Um, except it sounds like they didn't already have a plot no, because Christian comes up with the entire plot. Yeah, no, this was all improv. Well, I think they had. Yeah, 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 yeah. They had, but they, 
like a small plot, right? They were like that Christian yeah. starts uncovering originally when he when he meets the guy who fell through the ceiling, and they're mm-hmm. talking about it being in Switzerland and stuff. But it seemed like it was loose. Like for them for them yeah. to be putting on this play without basically knowing what was going to happen, um, it was early to be starting to rehearse for a play that hadn't been yeah. done yet. Yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> that was the thing that was confusing to me. Cause I was like, you had a whole writer, and you were already <laughs> making a set, but you didn't have a plot yet. They were drunk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they were drunk and hallucinating. 1900 Paris. Give them a break. Yeah. It's not <laughs> rouge, Raven. Have some fun. Let your hair down. Oh, my gosh. Um, but basically, the story of the play is the story of what's kind of happening or will be happening throughout the course of this movie, um, which is like it's an Indian. It's set in India. Um, so it's an Indian courtesan who is uh, promised to a Maharaja, um, but she falls in love with a penniless sitar player. Um, and so throughout the throughout the play, basically, she has to pretend to be in love with the Maharaja, like get him to fall in love with her and like want to marry her and all this other stuff. But she has to hide her relationship with the sitar player. Um, so like finally at the end, she's going to have to choose between the two of them. There's a lot of um, talk about electricity. It'll run for 50 years. It's like <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Oh my god! But gosh. he's like into um, it. And it formally. <laughs> he's really into it. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? Cool. I'll I'll invest in your play, and they're like, oh, really? Uh, okay, awesome. <laughs> um, what are you and so ne- well, I was gonna say, like, it, we finally see the play within a play kick off. Yeah, like this yes. is the moment when like the parallel stories start playing out, which is really fun. Yeah, and I I do really like in general. I love the setup of like a play within a play or a film within a film. It's just it's a really cool story element um, that I think gives especially actors um, a, an opportunity to like demonstrate their like greater range and stuff because yeah. you're playing basically two characters at once. Yeah, yeah. and it is interesting because the Duke like does want to have some like creative license as part of this and he does think in the end someone should die so put a pin in that Mm -hmm. we'll get there um so then they all go back to the band's apartment they're all parting it up um but christian is alone and sad just left to think and and wonder and fantasize about satine yeah and we get to the Um, song one day i'll fly away by randy crawford and it's just some lovey-dovey crap yeah, but I do, I do really like this song. Um, her, similar to, to what I said about, about Ewan McGregor earlier, her voice is similarly, it has, it has a very um, clear, like, brightness to it um, that really kind of, I don't know, for me, it felt like it kind of cut through all the different, uh, just, like, sound and, like, elements of the movie. Like, I think, I think all the other pieces are very... Um, they're done in a way that's very integral to what's happening in the movie. Whereas during this song, I kind of felt like I was just sitting in a theater and Nicole Kidman was just singing to me from a stage. And I was like, I'm here for this. I love it. Amazing vocal performance. Um, but yeah. So then she's on top of her elephant, which is like where her quarters are, I guess. Um, and Christian climbs up the back while she's singing um and surprises her uh and and she's just like bro um 
I'm literally a sex worker. I do this for money. I don't know what you thought was going to happen here. Yeah. Um, I know I told you that I was in love with you, but one, I thought you were a duke when I said that. So I I don't know what you yeah. think is going to happen. She's saying, here. like, I can't be in love. And he's like, that's the most terrible thing in the world. And she was like, no, being broke on the streets is the most terrible thing in the world. Like, what are you talking Pass. about? <laughs> Like, like, do you know who you're talking to? But we get into, like, definitely one of my, uh, definitely top two favorite parts of the movie, and that's the elephant love medley, um, where he's just trying to convince her, like, you know, why love's important. And so there he takes, like, all these, like, really fun, like, love songs. Um, So we start off, like, more spoken word with Love is the Oxygen, is like Oxygen by Sweden, Love is... And many splendid things by the four aces, and then start singing all you need is love by the Beatles. But it's just like, just a couple of lines. Oh yeah, and then just like keep love on going. Splendid thing, love. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I was I was a really big fan, and I like kind of seeing how throughout the course of the song, he's like trying to like change her mind, um, and we see her starting to like come around by the end of it. Um, but I, I thought this was a really creative way to like use a bunch of different love songs in one. Um, although it did, I don't know why, but the the way they start a lot of these songs with like starting it as like speaking the lyrics and then singing feels cheesier to me than oh. just starting oh, no, no. Off singing. Totally. <laughs> okay. One, one funny thing about this that. too is like, it's like an interesting dynamic that I caught where, you know, he taught early on in the movie, he talks about how he doesn't know what love is. Yeah. And he sells his bohemianness to Toulouse by saying the exact line that he opens up this medley with, which, you know, love is money, splendid thing, love lifts us up where we belong. All we need is love. Yeah. And then, yeah. He, so he tells Toulouse the exact same thing that he like kicks off this romantic love song. And I'm just like, oh, bro, you just use the same greeting card line that yeah. you had in your back yeah. pocket. And it was kind of like it shouldn't have worked out so well for him but it when did it wasn't work. Yeah. wasn't when it wasn't yeah so the other songs in this um are i was made uh to love you by kiss one more night by phil collins in the name of love by you too uh don't leave me this way by uh harold melvin and the blue notes uh silly love songs by wings paul mccartney um, Up Where We Belong by Joe uh, Cocker and Joe Locker and Jennifer Warnes. Uh, Heroes by David Bowie. I Will Always Love You by Dolly Parton, but like covered yeah. by Whitney Houston. Um, again, Your Song by Elton John. Yeah. Um, I will say, and I don't know songs. why, that was the only one the and i will always love you by dolly parton that was the only one i didn't like that they included and i don't <laughs> i don't know why was it the like, special the, effects where their their skin was like glowing and they looked like they were you know in chernobyl was that it <laughs> probably <laughs> um but as soon as he broke into the note i was like mm, i don't know about this one guys <laughs> yeah yeah uh what's everyone's favorite uh song from that medley Ooh, possibly Love Lift Us Up Where We Belong. I think mine is One My- One More Night by Phil Collins. I do love Phil Dance. Collins. I, yeah, I think your song is probably still, mm-hmm. like, I think it just, like, wraps it all together. I'm just, yeah. Sprinkle yeah. some Elton John in, in any of it, and you're going to have a really good time. Yeah. Yeah. 
You all ready for another drink? Yes. Oh, and Dan, we should have said this before, but like, is not required to drink as much as Raven and I. It's actually encouraged <laughs> that you don't. So that you do not. Yes, our livers do not like us as people. No. So we'll take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. All right. Cool. Campbell, do you remember being back in like third grade and having like music class and learning to play the recorder and like hot cross buns? Fun fact. So, you know, I know a lot of wind instruments. I physically was Mm -hmm. not able to play the recorder. My teacher told me just to stand there at the concert. But yeah, I'm familiar with the concept. (laughs) That's so, that's so, that's so sad. It's okay. I can play the bassoon. I've gotten over it. I don't feel bad about it. That's fair, I suppose. Okay, well, we'll, we'll move on. Put a pin in that. Um, put, put a pin in that. Boop. Um, so, unfortunately enough, uh, there are students all across the country that have never before had a general music education class and don't have the ability or the opportunity to access music education um, and get the chance to learn tons of different wind instruments um, or even just the recorder. And that's why we are partnering with Education Through Music, which is an organization that partners with low-income schools in New York City to provide students better access to music education. Also, 53% of New York City schools do not have a music teacher on faculty full-time. So Education Through Music also provides weekly music education by putting qualified music teachers into these schools. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the reasons this is so important is because motivation for learning means motivation for staying in school. And a lot of the students that are able to be involved in these music programs report that they have uh, attended school when they otherwise would have skipped um, or like stayed in school when they otherwise like wouldn't have wanted to stay specifically because they were looking forward to music class or they were looking forward to ensemble um, and, and getting to learn uh, specifically about music. And you can support and learn more at p2p.onecause.com slash boozicals. That's p2p.onecause.com slash boozicals. Nailed out. Do you have an instrument that you've neglected and now it hates you? Do you have too much money and think, hey, this can go to a good place? Neither applies to me, but I want to talk to you about the Dodario Foundation. They believe in the transformative power of music and that mentoring and building communities through music can positively affect social change. 100% of every dollar raised goes directly to support efforts to get kids involved in community music programs, acquire and maintain instruments, provide college scholarships, and support new innovation in music education. You can learn more and donate at www.dodariofoundation.org slash about slash donate. That's www.dodariofoundation.org slash about slash donate. Hey there, listeners. Pop quiz. Who was your favorite teacher in school? Did it happen to be someone who inspired a movie? Did that movie later change the world? Because that's exactly what happened with Mr. Holland's opus, the story of the profound effect a dedicated music teacher had on generations of students. The composer for the film, Michael Kamen, later started the Mr. Holland's Opus Foundation in 1996 as his commitment to the future of music education. Today, the foundation works with schools nationwide to audit their music education programs, supply quality instruments, train teachers on basic instrument repair, and even offer customized consulting to make sure the school's program fits their students' needs. The impact of this foundation now ensures that hundreds of thousands of kids across the country are granted access to learn and play music in school, keeping music education alive and well. 
If you're interested in supporting their mission, you can donate online, over the phone, or even while you shop Amazon or eBay. Visit mhopus.org donate to learn more. Yeah, anyways. We're uh, cheers ready. number two now that we have bitters. Cheers number two. <laughs> Listeners, uh, this may be where Raven edits us in, but we just had a D&D conversation, so I'm assuming she's sparing you on that. I love this drink. Okay. I do, too. So, I'm into it. Yeah. So um, we cut to the Duke talking to uh, Liddler. Zidler. Don't know why I call it that. The Riddler. Um, <laughs> we talked. We cut to Duke uh, talking to Zidler, and he's insisting that he has a contract binding Satine to him. Um, basically as like an assurance that she shall be his. Um, Question about that though. What if she just yeah. like quit? Is it like contract to him as an employee of the Moulin Rouge? Yeah, I was wondering about she that just too. Why did she just quit? <laughs> because there are there are many times like I really wonder about Satine's background because there are many times that I I get a vibe almost as if like she kind of grew up around the Moulin Rouge and like she like I I got a vibe that she almost belonged to Harold which seemed really yeah weird. is he like her dad so <laughs> I, I I've been thinking about this a lot too and I think I think they're like. I think the movie made us go through a journey with this. I think we we were supposed to show up and be like, oh, wow, Satine, like, shredding it. The it person of, of the Moulin Rouge. Harold loves her, respects her. Like, in the first, like, scene where she's, mm-hmm. like, evaluating, like, getting together with the Duke. Like, they're equals. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're equal. They're partners in this, right? Yeah. And then it evolves, and you see the really toxic relationship that, and the, and the control that Harold has over her. But like yeah. I've been I've been thinking a lot about this and I think the the reason why I really liked the One Day I'll Fly Away song was because it's your first glimpse into like, oh, everything isn't right at the Moulin Rouge. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, it's her saying, like, look, I'm actually trapped here. Like, audience, like, you should know that. Which yeah. is interesting because like she is like, you know, promise fame and stardom and you know she's so loved at the moulin you Rouge. would think she had more power and influence than she does exactly so i think yeah. i think we're sort of meant to feel all the feelings yeah. around around that yeah yeah absolutely um so yeah so he insists on the contract binding her to him which one i'm just like isn't the whole point that y'all are supposed to be getting married later isn't that literally a contract binding her to you you just want one early weird um but he also asks for the deed to the horrible businessman kind of of, like horrible horrible businessman what kind of move is that like why would you allow that wild i'm Um, in love with one of your employees so you need to sign her to me and everything else you own and hold dear like is does is that good and you get uh a show <laughs> before I take her away <laughs> and still own <laughs> before I building. take your star performer away and still own your property. Does that sound? Yeah. Are I, we are we good, Gucci? This was a wild exchange. Yeah. Um, although dukes are very powerful, so mm. um, so we see that Satine and Christian are still like sneaking around <laughs> behind the duke's back, um, and uh, what is that? Yeah, word? because the duke is convinced. That he will, he was like, I shall woo her. And I'm like, gross. Um, we, we see that they start like demolishing. And at this point, I'm like, wrecking ball, 
were those a thing in 1900? Apparently, early, like, early as, like, 1850. So, wow. plausible. I'm just imagining the people hoisting the wrecking oh ball. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, so, Satine and Christian, like, set up a, like, little date um, that is set for the same time as a dinner that the Duke insists that Satine attends. Because he's, like, she's, you know, spending all this time working on this play, whatever the fuck that is. Um, and she's not spending enough time with me. She's supposed to be in love with me. She's supposed to be marrying me. So she is to go on a date with me. And if she misses that date, it's over. Like, I'm, I'm pulling everything. Yeah. Deals off. They're able to invent practically legitimate reasons to meet, which I thought was such a fun phrase. Um, <laughs> and then they're just like showboating in front of him. Like, um, we'll work on it until we are completely satisfied. Satisfied. Gross. I was like, if that's not an innuendo. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is like, the Duke is not consenting to your foreplay. That is wrong. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they weren't very, they weren't very good at And then Ziggler like. sees them kiss. Yeah. Dumb and he's just like, what are you doing? Um, You have to break up with him. Like, this is not, you can't keep doing this. Like, the Duke is going to pull everything. He's going to take the Moulin Rouge. Like, he has the deed to it. Like, if this doesn't go through, we're all fucked. Yeah. So, well, get Ziggler is, right? Like, Ziggler, yeah. it, like, put a bunch of his, like, life on the line. Well, everyone yeah. else is because well, they really the rely, yeah, they rely yeah. on this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, like, she's, uh, Satine's like, it's nothing. It's just that infatuation. He's like, oh, in that case, end it. Okay, not a problem then. Fucking end it. Cool. And we get into yeah, the song Gorecki uh, by Lamb. Um, and it's just like, what one of the lines is something like, why live life from dream to dream and dread the day? I was just like, ooh, that goes hard. <laughs> i like that slaps. <laughs> some may say professionally that's the technical term slaps um well and we see okay so, so Satine, um so as you know it's it's getting ready to be time for her to like meet the duke for this dinner um she gets ill again and fully collapses um but no one seems to communicate that to lidler to zidler or the duke um so he's or just christian. pissed off or christian yeah so she's like fully incapacitated being like treated by a doctor like being looked after by her um her fellow like stage mates or theater mates and everything none of them are aware of what's going on so now the duke is just pissed off at her that she didn't show up um, we do find out Harold... here though that she has uh consumption tuberculosis which, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. it spreads, like, through, like, air particles, I'm pretty sure. So, mm -hmm. watch Kinda out. weird that no one else has it. Watch out, everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Harold, like, trying to protect her, says, oh, she's, like, at confession. You know, she was uh, overcome with the desire to, like, confess her sins. She wanted to be as pure as possible for you when you meet which like gross purity culture sucks um and then they get into the song like a virgin which despite the fact that i technically like how they incorporate it into the movie this is my least favorite cover <laughs> of this song just from a creep perspective of like i that's weird like no Very you cringe. shouldn't be this excited about the idea for being one she's not a virgin but like they're like oh you know like 
she like she said that when she's around you, you make her feel like a virgin but, again, touched for the but, very first time. But, but that's what the Madonna song's about, though. <laughs> but it, it's but not it's about a, being an actual virgin. Yeah, no, no. But to me, uh, there's a difference between a woman singing that about okay, her okay. Own I just want and to, a man singing that about a woman. Okay, I just want to clarify <laughs> that because for a second, it sounded like I was like, "Do you not know what that song is? It's not actually. Oh, no, no, it, no, it's no, like no. in the name, like a virgin. It's it's a it's a simile." Yeah, no, I know what the song's about, <laughs> okay, but at least cool. there, she's singing about herself. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> not like, another person. The word shifting they did to yeah. like make it work with the with the character singing it. Yeah, like the creep factor went up thousands of percent it's with like, like thousands words and it was like wow they they really nailed it if they wanted us to like hate these two characters they yeah they they did it yeah it's madonna and they really sold oh okay. you, you go ahead i was just gonna say they really sold um the the sexualization of her character and like the way women in her position like during well in general but during this period especially in history um were like kind of at the whims of the the men that they that were like controlling their lives and how like they're basically just like buying and selling well literally buying and selling her body because she's a sex worker but like owning her like trying yeah. to own her body for her yeah, yeah and it's i was i was gonna say madonna it's like picture madonna but creepy old men uh meets be our <laughs> guest meets chorus line and that's uh, that's what we're seeing here that's a very accurate and then, description. then there are like there's those like jello tits at some point yeah which i was just like was that 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 was <laughs> i don't know what that was about so because that was already made so did the duke make that like for Listen. satine then like, who was that for? Also, who were the waiters there? Like, were the waiters the Duke's waiters, or were they Moulin Rouge waiters? I thought they were for, because it was, like, the tower, the Gothic tower or whatever. Yeah. I thought that was, like, a restaurant or something. Oh, okay. Like, that was, like... Oh, that's fair. Uh, I don't know. They worked there. Um, yeah. And when but... the Duke says, feel so good inside, and look oh. directly oh. at the audience, I was like, stop looking at me. Oh, my God. Ooh, Absolutely not. Enjoy. Get out. Did done. Done. I also yeah. made a note. Viddler, villain. <laughs> yeah. Enter the newest. Correct. Enter the newest yeah. villain. This is like villain sort of officially. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it's actually right after this we find out that she has consumption. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Got it wrong. Um, Sorry, listeners. Don't call me out. So yeah. So we find out that she's dying, uh, but no one tells her because uh, Viddler is like, oh, she mustn't find out. Raven. Correct. Correct. How dare women have control and uh, agency over their own bodies? Um, so she tells Christian that they have to break up basically before opening night because she's going to have to like go and sleep with the Duke. Um, and she's like, I don't want you to be jealous. Like, you know, this is just a thing that I have to do to secure my future. Like, I don't want the drama, no. you know? Um, and he gives all of the drama. No, well, at first he's <laughs> and- like, I won't get jealous. That is not true, and sir. You that are, is some bullshit. You, he, he makes such a show of it at the end that like, I really oh my gosh. We'll talk about it when we get there, yeah. but I did like the kind of message that all of that yeah. sent. Um, but we get into the song, Come What May. The only original song. Um, so this is my still favorite song from this musical. I just love it. It's a classic love song. Totally a fan. Fantastic duet. Um we also see that like during this uh, sequence, 
um, one of the other, it might be Nini, I think her name was. Yeah. That one of the company actors. Like, Nini Legendary. Christian. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing name. Uh, outs Christian to the dude and says like, oh, you know, interesting that she decides to choose the penniless writer. Oh, I mean sitar player um, instead of the Maharaja. And at, which the is first, like, at first I was like, what the fuck are you doing? I was very upset. Yeah. I like yeah. was so mad at her. But then we do see, especially with like some songs later, it's just like, that should be me. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, yeah. I mean, she did like was in the original Australian like cat brought uh, cast as Velma Kelly in Chicago. I was just like, oh, this fits. I can see that. I like, I especially from like her acting. This, I was like, I definitely see this for you. Can yeah. Can we take one step to the side, just really briefly about Ewan McGregor's character being, you know, the penniless penniless poet here, right? Yeah. He. Yeah. When he's like zooming back to looking at his dad, right? Oh yeah, he oh, has yeah. money. Like he could easily yeah. like when when. Well, I guess we're it gonna. It's like Ren vibes. Yeah, I just I felt yeah. like yeah, and he sort of talks about choosing to be penniless in the very beginning, mm-hmm. but like this whole back and forth about her having to choose between a duke and this like you know penniless person. Like she's cho- in reality, she's choosing between a duke and like a pretty well off artist from London, yeah. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And um, Christian's father is played by Arthur Dignam. Um, he's also been in Australia, The Duelist, and also was in The Great Gatsby. Um, a lot of Great Gatsby. Yeah. Yeah, there's another uh, connection to Great Gatsby later on. A lot of yeah. similar themes as well. Um, okay, yeah. So so Come What May really love this. Um, the duet and like the way they harmonize together, beautiful, amazing. I want so much more of it um and so then after this song well i thought it was really interesting the song because you do see like that one pignet that that went on and like the duke was like oh look a frog and they're just like singing like rehearsing to each other and just like the duke is third wheeling on all this stuff and they're like how could anyone possibly know when they're just like holding each other naked in the open window (laughs) like to the streets (laughs) like i'm like and Y'all were not we were quiet so about this affair. Also, like, singing love songs <laughs> on the roof. Like, they wanted to get caught because that was, like, part of it. Yeah. Because, like, even, there was even a earlier... <laughs> even earlier when Zidler caught them, like, they were just... Uh, they weren't even out of the room fully. They were just up on the second level behind one of the curtain posts. And, like, so many people can definitely see yeah, you right now. They weren't like, doing a good job. Yeah, but they, at this at point, all. the Duke now understands, like, the play. Like, he's like, oh, shit, this is about me. Which, yeah. like... Took him a while. It, yeah, took him a very long time. Yeah. It was kind of cute um, that he was so, like, into the story. Like, okay with the story at first, so... I was surprised yeah. that he was, like... Like, just the idea that he was, like, gonna pay for the penniless potter... Or, or the penniless sitar player to win the win the day. I was surprised, like... It was kind of adorable that he was like, oh, yeah, that, that seems like a fun story. Yeah. So give him a little yeah. bit of, tiny bit of credit at the very beginning. Oh, yeah, at for sure. And like uh, that quickly goes away. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, very quickly. <laughs> um, and he, But he's like, I don't like this ending. It doesn't really make any sense. And I was just like, and of course, you know, super stealthy, super, you know, inconspicuous. And it's like, no, she just doesn't love you. I mean... <laughs> Him. Him. That was so awkward. Um, and so he wants to change the ending that there's no secret love song. 
that instead that the courtesan falls in love with Ma- the uh not Maharaja. the yeah or chooses the maharaja yeah and oh god it's just like he doesn't he's like i'm paying for her why doesn't she love me yeah it's <laughs> it's wild um so then after Dukes. that satine satine <laughs> am i right <laughs> satine goes to meet the duke um and uh, it really irritated me how uh Christian was like trying to stop her and like begging her like oh please don't go like I can't take it blah blah and it's like dude you were fully aware that this was the plan from the beginning um I didn't even love you like I was always planning to go meet the duke to marry him blah 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 like mm, why are you acting brand new I don't like it you promised you wouldn't Um, be jealous you promise you wouldn't be jealous. Um, so then she goes to meet him and we get into El Tango de Roxanne. I this is my favorite. love this. I think this is the best sequence of the I movie. think so too. So it's yeah. uh, it's a combination of Tangera, which is Mariana uh, Morris's, and Roxanne by the police, which was like yeah. so fun. But what so I really good. like about this is just, I really think, I mean, a lot of times for these bigger scenes and musical numbers, um, the camera just shifts around a lot and it same for this but I feel like this is the most we're actually seeing like choreography mm-hmm. and I think it's just a really good kind of like explanation of like certain themes that are going on and just yeah. like musically that kind of like Latin tango kind of like backing always a big fan of it was fun having other characters singing. Yes. And it's just like that with like, I mean, I also love the song Roxanne by the Police. Like, who doesn't like that song? Um, it just was really, really fun. And we hear um, that the Argentinian with narcolepsy is explaining, he's like, don't fucking fall Ugh. in love with these people. And he's like going through like a story of here, um, this dance about like brothel brothels in Buenos Aires. And it's like, first you feel desire, then the passion, and then suspicion, jealousy, anger, betrayal. Without trust, there is no love. Yeah. While they're just like, I don't know, Nini is just killing it, though, with the dancing. Crushing it. Crushing it. I'm just like, you are the star here. I see what you're doing. I also really love the, like, visual aesthetic um, of this entire sequence, um, especially with, like, um, with Satine's outfit and the way, like the kind of her scene with the Duke almost looks like gothic sort of setting. Yes. Um, and then like with it cutting back to like the tango scene, it's just very like uh, big and like intense, but also dark. And mm. you like you get a, a a sort of dark foreboding sense throughout the entire sequence. You're like seeing like two sides of like passion, like reciprocated yes. and not. Oh, yeah. Yes. And that's just being, like, furthered by, like, the setting and, like, the color, like you were saying before, that you really like seeing, like, in this movie. Well, there's another yeah. There's another piece of this, too, where you're you're seeing for the first time, like, the secret love's impact on all the people around them. Like, everyone else is, mm-hmm. like, like, you start seeing why Nini would say that. Like, why, yeah. why Nini would call them out. Not just because she's jealous, but because, like, dude, we've been trying to make this heckin theater production for like months and all you've been doing yeah. is doing secret love scenes that don't actually do anything and you're just dragging your feet and we're trying to make our money yeah. 
So everyone else yeah, is like, and, you guys are being unprofessional, and we're trying to get on with our lives. And potentially endangering the theater that we all work yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, so then we see, um, like, Christian is kind of, like, walking by, and he walks under the balcony where um, Satine is, like, with the Duke. And as she sees him, they, like, kind of, like, lock eyes, and we see her, like, demeanor change, and the Duke is, like, going to kiss her, like, going to, like, you know, try and seduce her and stuff like that. Um, and she, like, actually tells him no. She's like, no, 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 like, I don't want this. And, like, like she sings Come Krishna, What whatever. May, and I'm just like, yeah. what? Why'd you do that? <laughs> you stupid bitch. Oh. Raven. <laughs> so um, then the Duke basically tries to assault her. Yes. Um, and she is saved at the very last minute. Like, I was getting really uncomfortable. I, was I like, had oh, to is, rewind is gonna, like... it to see what happened. Because it's literally like a flash. It was a flash, happens. yeah. It happened yeah. so fast. And they, kept, and they kept cutting back. Like, as the energy is, like, building, like, they kept cutting back to, like, the tango scene. And so I was really afraid that it was going to cut back and he would just, like, beat. And I was like, no, I'm no, not ready for no, that. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> Um, so Le Chocolat, uh, like, saves her kind of at the last minute, um, and, like, knocks the Duke out, and so she's able to get away. Um, and then we get into, uh... Well, she was, like, she meets, um, Christian again, she was like, I couldn't pretend anymore. Like... Oh, yeah, yeah, like, I'm in love with you, yeah, like, I can't, I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, and they're like, you know what, let's just leave, let's just leave. Yeah, so they decide they're gonna run away. But then um, we see together. a conversation between Ziggler and uh, the, Duke. the Duke. And the Duke's like, tell her the show will end my way. She comes to me or Christian will be killed. Yes. Yes. Um, and so then Harold goes to Satine and tells her that she's dying. <laughs> Because she's like, I'm gonna leave. And she's like, No, you're not. Actually, you're not, girl. You don't got a lot of time. Um, So he's like, Actually, you're dying. And if you don't tell Christian to back the fuck off, he's gonna die too. So might as well make me money. Yeah. So if only to spare his feelings, like, go ahead, go ahead, break his heart. Like, tell him you never really loved him. Tell him it's over so that you can still marry the Duke and save his life. And she was like, Ugh, fine, I guess. Um, So. I have the show must go on, but I know that there's like a transition. The, the, sort of the transition movement. first is like it's only like a couple of lines. It's uh, full yeah. to believe. She has to like make Christian believe that she doesn't love him, and like yeah. the show must must go Which, on type thing. It's just like real quick. I love her outfit. I don't uh, during it. that scene. It was like oh um, yeah, it was like it was sort of like Victorian era, garb. like yeah it was oh. it was like a dark dark almost like silvery gray uh like jacket dress thing and then she had like a black not like full corset but almost like bustier yeah. piece um around her I waist mean, and it was just really... with like a matching uh hat and then like a little veil. half veil yeah. over it. i loved it i was a big fan wasn't she wearing a like a half veil like that before maybe like the first date she was supposed to have with like the duke like the actual duke I think so. so. I think so. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we get a reprise of One Day I'll Fly Away, and that's uh, Ziddler and Satine um, talking yeah. about, like, you know, Dream's End. And mm-hmm. then we get into The Show Must Go On, which is a song originally by Queen, um, which is, like, I feel like Queen really lends itself to this kind of stylistic choice. Oh, yeah. Just, like, yeah. melodically. Um, and this is just like the show must go on. This like another failed romance, 
Um, and I think Ziggler, like, this is his best song. This is the point I'm just like, yeah. damn, dude. You're doing the damn thing. I love the dramatics yeah. of this scene. Like, Operatic. if there's... Mm. Yes. If there's anything... I mean, there's multiple... There's several things that this movie does well. But if there's anything that this movie does well, it's just base showmanship. Like, this movie knows how to give you an intense musical sequence. Yeah. Like, and I... I'm here for it. It was like high intensity, high energy. Um, and especially after everything that's happened right now, like you really feel as we're like starting to approach the end of the story, um, you really feel how high the stakes are. And I feel like you're very drawn into like, Oh my God, what's going to happen next? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so during, like, during the show, as they're, like, performing, um, we see that Christian sneaks to, like, the backstage. because he Um, is told by her, I'm staying with the Duke. I don't love you. Like, this is, was just my job. I was just acting. Blah, 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 blah. Moulin Rouge is my home. Um, and, like, I am, and she was like, the truth is, I am the Hindu courtesan, and I choose the Maharaja. Mm. World Which, becomes gray. World becomes gray. Um, and so now we're like in the show. Um, I really liked their performance. Um, so we see, um, we see like the dance sequence that they're all doing. Mm-hmm. And the song is when... Hindi Sad Diamonds, which is a combination of Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend, but also Chama Chama. Um, and it's from an uh, Indian film named China Gate, and it's originally sung by mm-hmm. Alka Yagane, uh, and it was composed by Anu Malik. Ooh, nice. Um, so, yeah, so, like, we see uh, Satine's character um, kind of come out and singing, singing her piece, um, and we see, like, the Maharaja kind of, like, come behind her and, like, pull her into him basically and like this is her like accepting like mm-hmm. i like he is who i'm choosing like he's who i'm going i'm going to go with um oh very sad uh <laughs> but then <laughs> uh so the curtains like the curtains close temporarily and she's like backstage um and this is when uh we see a couple of things so we see christian finds her and basically starts harassing her but also the duke has sent his like bodyguard security guy or whatever after christian to kill him so he's like chasing him down um christian is just like straight up harassing her um and it's basically like oh like fine since it was never about love since you're just a sex worker like here's money like let me pay you like blah, blah 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 um which is very uncomfortable to watch um and he ends up chasing her on stage yeah. just as like because the security guys like catching up he, to them, he's like, able to, to take the place of the penniless uh sitar player, sitar player. um yeah. because narcolepsy strikes again and like the actual actor just like <laughs> falls asleep um, passes out yeah and at one point because she's also like coughing up so much blood and it looks like yeah. what there was there smelling salts before she's like drinking oh yeah she's like mm, yeah. yeah so i was just like i don't know what that is um and ziddler really thinks on his feet and just like oh yes even though it. you are in disguise this is what's your character's name and the audience is like ah oh. <laughs> we get it yeah, yeah. yeah that was pretty clutch um 
So then Christian just throws the money at her and calls her a whore. Um, and it's just like, fine, uh, take it. Like, this is over. Yeah, like, this no more woman is yours now. I've paid my whore, is what he says. Yeah. So heartbreaking. Um, I was like, oh, my, oh my God. God. I was like, you said you wouldn't be jealous. Yeah, I know. That, the whole time I was thinking that, like, you lost your cool. Like, this is yeah. the ultimate, like, losing it moment for you. Yeah. And I think, um, and this actually makes me, like, not super love the way it ended, but, like, I think this is an interesting part in the in the story, especially when we think about this from Satine's perspective of, like, we've already seen how um, she's being controlled and probably to an extent abused, just not in, in quite the same way, by, like, Zidler, um, and how the Duke clearly has no issue with abusing her yeah. or like hurting her um and we think that um that christian is like the one guy who's not like that because she even says to to zidler earlier when he tells her to break up with him she even says like my whole life you made me think that my only worth that i was only worth what men were willing to pay for me yeah. um and christian actually loves me like he truly loves me and that makes me feel worthy it makes me feel good it makes me feel happy for the first time um and here we see that even with a guy like christian who like like a, a hashtag nice guy um, oh who yeah who like says that he loves her and says that he wants to be with her even he has the capacity to do her harm even he has the capacity to be honestly kind of hateful towards her horrible um, it's like so hateful yeah. And yeah. at this point, because Toulouse has been, like, struggling. He has, like, one, like, main line in this yeah. play. He's been, like, <laughs> struggling. In the beginning, he's like, the the thing he taught me, blah, blah, blah. So he finally remembers. And he says, the greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. In return. And yeah. at this point, um, Satine is just like, you know what? Doesn't matter. We said we'd love each other forever. And then starts singing, come what may. And then hell yeah to the orchestra because they're like they're just oh, coming yeah. right yeah because they're like oh this song is supposed to be removed there's a lot of dramatics about going this like murders possibly everyone knows what's going on <laughs> and it's like this is not a secret but yeah the uh conductor is just like and that's my cue yeah you see him you see him pop in and start controlling yeah. that was really cool but yeah. also like satine just like like wow like the really fact that she there. yeah oh, like yeah. can you imagine like having money thrown at you in that moment after with all the like just horrible stuff you just said and then start saying come what may like dang like your capacity for love is just like you're you're the true bohemian here the bars in hell yeah <laughs> truly yeah and yeah. the audience is so into it they're like oh how interactive is this and like <laughs> Then he start Christian starts singing it back, and then we see the gun, and there's a lot, oh, there's a gun, and a lot of kicking it around. Someone grabbed the damn gun. Just, like, it's sitting on the ground for so long, and I'm like, I know y'all see it, and I know everyone, at least in the show, understands the significance of this gun being here. Yeah, so. but then we get into the finale, where, like, yes. the Could Duke is, talk? like, still trying to kill him, and same with his, like, henchmen. So the finale yeah. song is the combination of The Show Must Go On, Children of the Revolution, Your Song, One Day I'll Fly Away, and Come What May, and finally, the Duke gets the gun, and he's like, you know what, I'm gonna take care of this. Ziddler yeah. clocks him. Amazing. Great. Love it. Um, the, so then, uh, my favorite part in the entire movie, Harold punches him in the face, the gun goes flying out the window, <laughs> and I 
audience, I kid you not, bounces off of the Eiffel Tower. The brand new not... Eiffel Tower. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the pliable, the malleable, <laughs> the elastic, the fantastic <laughs> Eiffel Tower. What the fuck was that? And I was that? just like, it was the same. It, it was the same was animation the same with the like, hats. Yeah, and I was just like, everything is like, like way pirate. bigger. It turned just into like, like like a toy version of the world, and the gun yeah. is suddenly four hundred feet large. Yeah, <laughs> and like this movie has like a lot of just this movie's goofy, first and foremost, yeah. and there's a lot of like wacky and zany side effects, sound effects, and this was just like. It wouldn't have been weird for this movie when the gun bounced off to go boing oing oing. <laughs> well, that really like I don't know. It really like cut through the the dramatic moment that we just saw. It too. kind of did. <laughs> but anyway, it's just ugh. anyway. So after, after then, we play the uh, after we play the gun off with a little yeah, it's like when trying to like get the gun, and then right after this very humorous moment um Satina's dying and is Christian's yes. holding her is like hold I'm cold hold me you got to go on Christian uh like you have so much to give tell her story story promise me she dies and the crowd goes wild yeah <laughs> it's just like well the, well the, the curtains are closed they don't know she's no dead. no no but that's what we see right afterwards thunderous <laughs> applause to her death yeah True, she and Christian is just, like, fully ugly crying over her Great body. acting. I was like, oh, man, Ewan McGregor, you cry. Like, yeah. that scene in particular, I was just like, damn. It was so moving. I, like, I've, I've like, lived this musical in, like, not lived it. I've, I've watched this musical a lot, and that, like, yeah. ending, it just, like, like, I knew it was coming. And yeah. it, like, hit me hard. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is serious. But, again, it's overshadowed by the Eiffel Tower. When Alex and I were watching it, like, we saw it. I We looked at each other. He has such disgust on his face. And he was just, he just says, hm, I guess, air gun. And I'm like, <laughs> no other ways to describe this. <laughs> um, so then we get into a, like, reprise, or maybe, like, the full version. But we get into uh, Nature Boy again. Yeah, yeah. a reprise of Nature Boy. Um, this time, I think, sung by both Toulouse and Christian. Yeah, and we find out, like, yeah. a lot of time passes, and it's, like, kind of, like, a year maybe later. Um, that he's, he's like, you know what? I'm going to write our story, story about love, a love that will live forever. The end. So yeah. I, I, have a, I have an interesting thought about how long passes and he talks oh. about like days and months, right? Days turns into weeks, month, and then weeks turn into months. But in the background, you see the Moulin Rouge has burned down. Oh. oh. And so I looked it up, and apparently the Moulin Rouge burned down in 1915, giving us the sense that 15 years later he's navigating this, which I don't think actually is the case in the movie. I think I think it was like yeah. days, weeks, months. Mm-hmm. But bizarre that they threw that in there because. Why would you have a burned down was... Moulin Rouge in the background when that was not part of the plot? And the only sort of reason to do that is sprinkling in some like history and timeline. Yeah, I was wondering because like when whenever they cut back to it, you could see that it was like fully in a dilapidated, yeah. like rundown, ruined state. Um, I wasn't sure if it was like a meant to be like symbolic, like Satine was kind of like the soul yeah. of the Moulin Rouge, and like with her gone, it's now like 
a shadow of its former glory. I didn't know if it was meant to be like symbolic in that way, but that's a, that's I didn't I didn't realize that it didn't. Well, bring also out the, the Duke owned it at that point, right? Because it didn't go the way he True. wanted it, so he was able to run it. He into just the fully owned yeah. it. Yeah, probably abandoned it. Um, okay. And then, so. but we then get into the like final line: "The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return." Then we go back, like the curtain closes. That conductor has calmed down. He's actually doing his damn job. And <laughs> uh, we then we get in memoriam Leonard Lerman, um, who was an American composer, um, and he also like got his masters in doctorate music and composition from Cornell. Um, he has like just like such a huge career. But now it's time for our composer's corner. So, uh, we've talked about all the different, uh, original songs that were used from this. So, um, just to kind of recap a lot of the artists that are referenced in this, Nat King Cole, David Bowie, Massive Attack, Mary Martin, and Julie Andrews, um, LaBelle, uh, also like Christina Aguilera, Lil' Kim, Maya, Missy Elliott, and Pink, yeah. um, Boy Slim, uh, Georges Van, Van Paris, and Jean Noir, Renoir. Uh, DeBarge, Madonna, Nirvana, Lulz, uh, Carol Channing, uh, David Bowie, Jacques Offenbach, Randy Crawford, T-Rex, um, and also Children of the Revolution was also covered by Bono, yep. Bono Gavin <laughs> Friday, Bono. Violet, <laughs> Violent Femme, and Marie Caesar. Uh, then we have Lamb, uh, David Bearwald, uh, The Police, Mariana Morris, Queen, Madonna again, Elton John, and Alka Yagnik. Um, and then for the Elephant Love Medley, we have Sweet, The Four Aces, The Beatles, Kiss, Phil Collins, U2, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, Paul McCartney, Joe Cocker and Jennifer Warrens, um, Dolly Parton and later Whitney Houston, um, and then Ellen John again and Bernie Taupin. So um, those are all the individuals that wrote like the songs that we hear in the musical. Um, as far as the physical score, that was done by Craig Armstrong, who is a Scottish composer of modern orchest orchestral music, electronica, and film scores. Um, so he actually has like a pretty wide like um, uh, kind of work history. So he's written music for the Royal Shakespeare Company, um, the Royal Scottish National Orchestra, and the London Sinfonietta. Uh, but he's also written for several films, including uh, he also did Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, mm -hmm. so that's also part of the Red Curtain trilogy. Um, he did Love Actually. He did Ray, uh, The Incredible Hulk, The Great Gatsby, uh, and Me Before You, among many, many others. Uh, so that was really interesting. And then uh, he actually won a Golden Globe for Best Original Score of the Year and a BAFTA Award for Achievement in Film Music for this film, Moulin Rouge, as well as many, many others, yeah. like Oscars, Golden Globes, Tonys, like a lot for, for his overall career. So I just thought that was really interesting. That was really interesting. Yeah. So now for our little discussion question. Um, and I can start this off if you guys all want more time to think, but... What do you think about like the use of colors in this film, um, and how did it like impact your viewing or your understanding of the movie? So I can start. Yeah. Um, one of the things that really stood out to me is that uh, one of the things we see multiple times is the framing of 
uh, Christian and Satine in specific lighting. So during the Elephant Love Medley and also at the end of her singing um, One Day I'll Fly Away, we see that Satine is like fully in like blue light. She's like fully in like a blue light filter. Um, but Christian is not. So like even when they're on top of the elephant together, when you see her, she's framed in a blue lighting and like Christian is not, uh, which to me like gives really like a cold feeling, like almost a feeling of like, um, like sadness mm -hmm. or like loneliness kind of washing over her. Um, and it comes back again during the scene, um, El Tango de Roxanne when Christian is walking below her and she's on the balcony with the Duke. But this time Christian is actually bathed in the red light from like, it's the red light district, um, but also from the scene and from like the dancing that they're doing. Um, and of course, red is often used for like passion, love, fire, hot, you know? Um, <laughs> Cinnamon so I, I flavored was... things. <laughs> um, and so I thought like especially Christian's character being that sort of like hopeless romantic who just wants to be in love and fall in love and everything is about passion um, and Satine's character who has a very like kind of calculating approach to this like she's like I need to survive and I'm in like getting into the relationship or getting into the arrangement that I'm in for survival and financial stability um, but we see that like if you really look at her life while it's like big and bombastic and she has all these shows and she's so like such a big personality um her actual life and like the circle around her is like pretty lonely and empty like there really aren't a lot of people that truly care about like truly love her like truly care about her and her well-being um most of them are like manipulating her or they just want her for her body or something like that um and i thought that had a uh, for me that was like really impactful to like kind of like the way the story was being told mm -hmm. and like how you're meant to like think of the characters in the story overall i think how i'm thinking about color with this film um also relates to like saturation and i feel like times Ooh. where they're either like really drunk or really like muddied with like emotions like things were like overly saturated and like there was like just a visual like not Clarity is unclarity a word? Inclarity? That's not a word. Um, but fuzziness. Fuzziness. You're picking up what I'm putting down. <laughs> smelling what I'm stepping in. You're hearing what I'm telling you. It's just like I think that goes along like with the color. Um, it just adds to maybe the. It's just another way to show like character perspective. Yeah. Uh, for example, when they first enter the Moulin Rouge with all these bright, vibrant colors and things are, like, moving on really fast and things are just, like, really overly saturated. People are, like, overly stimulated. They're excited. They're hopeful. They're, ex like, people are being, like, very passionate. They're performing those kinds of things. And I think that's just, like, another tool that the people who, like, made this movie are using to, to like, get the audience on, like, the same, like, emotional level visually which i think like is what they're doing like with color as well so that, that those yeah. are my thoughts about that at this very moment with a bunch of absinthe in my body i, w I was thinking Love about that. saturation a bit too because yeah. at the beginning it was so undersaturated yeah right and the mm. the one thing that really popped I, I didn't think about this ahead of time but the one thing that really popped to me was like the green absinthe right at the very beginning <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, and I'm thinking about green as like a motif and sort of like a thematic presence throughout the 
film because we have like the green absence sort of setting the stage for the like wild craziness of this like moment in time right yeah. and, and sort of putting us there but then you see like the green like thematic presence through like envy and and greed and like mm-hmm. the the really the problematic factors for the characters throughout like the plot and i'm wondering yeah. if i were to rewatch it if we would catch glimpses of green in those moments that would like help us like make that connection yeah interesting. but i do a second watch yes yeah. yeah yeah that's really cool great discussion guys yeah. so campbell what are we playing because i truly don't know so what we'll be playing is i'll be playing the clarinet raven will be playing the violin for dan and we'll be playing Elephant Love Medley, which will be fun because we're, that's going to be hard. I, no, it's not going to be hard because what it's going to be is really just like those like little like clips of different like melodies that we're just like going to be gotcha. going back and forth. So it's just, I don't know, just a fun way to play little bits of a bunch of different songs. I love it. So, yeah, we're going to go get our instruments and we'll be right back, listeners. Wow. Can't wait. Burp. And that was our best attempt. We done did it. We also have not played this before. That was pretty good. Yeah, damn. So thank you for your help because especially with popular music turning into sheet music, the rhythms are just like really hard. But luckily we had Dan here who just sang it and gave us the rhythm. And gave us for them, and honestly, it definitely helped, because most of these songs, I do not know how they go, and it's way easier for me to hear someone sing it, and Dan, you got a great voice. Thank you. But that brings us to the end. So first question for everyone, what would, what would everyone rate this musical on a scale of 1 to 10? Raven? You have I don't a know face? if Dan's going to like my no, answer. That's fine. <laughs> Um, I think I would rate this like a five out of ten. Um, generally good music. I generally like the like cinematography and um, and the way the movie goes about telling the story. Like I like I like I think they had a vision for this and I think they executed that vision well. Um, it's just not a vision for a film. I think I want to watch on a regular <laughs> basis <laughs> um i think like i think it's really good but it's not it's not my taste i would say yeah what about you dan i you know i i think i have to be like a nine i yeah. love this movie yeah i think it's i That's think fair. it's awesome yeah i'd give it a six i like i had a fun time i enjoyed a lot of stuff some parts i was like well, i don't know if i need this or um, it was also really hard to take notes for it because everything was just happening so fast. So it's maybe happening so fast. I may have liked it more if I didn't have to like take notes during it. Yeah, I think if this was yeah, I think if this was a movie I was just like experiencing, or maybe if it wasn't my first time watching it. You know what I mean? Like I think on a rewatch, being prepared for what it is <laughs> and how it presents its story, I think I would like it more. But going into it cold, I was just like, like I spent the first ten minutes fully like, what is happening? Yeah, and like <laughs> there are parts I really like about this movie, and the parts that I didn't like as much, I was like, this is fine. There wasn't really anything. I'm just like this is bad because even with the gun bouncing off the eiffel tower at that point i'm just like it was just camp. I was just that camp. was just that was camp. fine so <laughs> I, th- I think nostalgia goes into rating it high for me yeah. but also 
Like, I should not have watched this movie as much as I did as a 10-year-old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, no, certainly not. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Yeah. 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 But with that, Dan, is there anything you'd like to, like, promote or plug or I, anything like that? So nothing specific except for doing a deep dive into boozicals, like, Ooh. like was amazing. Oh, and sick. I'm really encouraging folks to go back. I know you're listening to this now, but, like, dive into some of the musicals that you want to listen to. Like, comment, like, do the whole thing. But, like, it's amazing. I want to plug you guys. You're, like, this is right. awesome. <sighs> I'm into right. it. I'm Big fan. so honored. How many guests have we had, and none of them have plugged us? I think really? so. I think we've maybe had a couple. That's true. Probably. Yeah. We have. We have. I think friends. Shannon may have, and that was after from Justin and Kelly. So. <laughs> yeah. <true. laughs> but she chose that, so that's not on us. But yeah. yeah. But but speaking of liking and commenting, thank you for. Uh, prompting the lead on that dan that's awesome um listeners you should indeed like us in comments um you can find us wherever podcasts are found be that stitcher be that podbean be that pandora iHeartRadio, google podcast all of the podcasting platforms you can find us on if you do find us on there you should like it if you like it you should rate us five stars if you think we're worth that which we really hope we are um <laughs> If not, let us know how we can get better. And the way you can do that is by leaving a comment on whatever platform. Um, you can email us at boozicals at gmail.com. You can even comment or, or DM us on our Instagram at boozicals, like one of our listeners wonderfully did and let me know that apparently Amy Adams is not in Confessions <laughs> of a Shopaholic, like I incorrectly said two episodes ago. But it was instead Isla Fisher, which I feel really bad about getting that wrong, actually, because Isla Fisher is also an amazing actress yeah. um but she does admit it i do remember being adams, confused so. i was like that wasn't one of the like credits i had for amy adams i don't remember seeing that but i was just like oh no well. but yeah, yeah you know good yeah. on you listeners for being like you know what yeah that's not right it means you're paying attention it means you're holding us accountable and i appreciate that because like campbell and i always say we love to be right and if we're wrong and you point that out that just means we can be more right in the future yeah so big fan of that indeed so i think indeed. with that i think we're gonna we're gonna leave. We're gonna go. We're gonna go away. The podcast yeah. is over. What are you still doing? Yes. Here? What are you still doing? Here? Yeah. Goodbye. Uh, bye. Bye. bye.